Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. On the Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions. From current events to expert advice, you'll have up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And don't forget to separate and stand out. Hello, hello. So we want to just remind everybody about all these new fun additions we've been adding. We've got our website up. We now have our first blog post up, Eight Ways to Crush Pre-Screener Interviews. So if you're curious on some of our tips, then go ahead and check out that blog post and read that. Hopefully it will help you crush your pre-screener interviews. So there's a lot of ways. If you like our show and you like listening to us, there's a lot of ways in which you can support us. Uh, Check out our page on our website that talks about different ways to support us. You can support us both financially, of course, because it helps us pay for all the things that we do here and host in the show. But you can also support us non-financially. You know, if you like the show, share it with your friends, share our tweets on social media, get the word out there on what we're trying to do and how we're trying to help people. Uh, If you want to support us financially, you know, we, we enjoy coffee. I left mine at home this morning, so I'm going to see if I can stay awake all day today. But we love coffee, and it helps us make really good content. So you know, click the little po- coffee button on our website, buy us a cup of coffee, and uh, we really appreciate that. You can also check out our merchandise store. We've got some really cool mugs. I got my water bottle in the mail the other day, and it was way nicer than I thought it was going to be. I was really impressed with that real nice aluminum water bottle. So if you like a T-shirt or you just want a mug or something like that, check out our merchandise store. And then definitely check out the show notes to our show. We, we jam pack them with all the content and maybe some extra things that are on our head as we're thinking through the episode. So check us out. Follow us. We want to congratulate all of our listeners who matched in phase one of the pharmacy residency match the past week. Congratulations. All your hard work has paid off. You probably are overcome with elation and excitement uh, for the next chapter of your journey. Uh, If we helped you in your uh, process, let us know and share it with others that you encounter next year to point them to our podcast and and hopefully we can help them in the future. Um, So we we just wanted to extend our congratulations to those that did match. To those that are pursuing phase two, uh, just wanted to let you know that we are available to help. So if you wanted to reach out to us, feel free to uh, go back uh, and listen to our previous episode and our our latest recording on Twitter spaces as a follow-up to that episode. So I would uh, highly encourage you to to check those out so you can crush these uh, upcoming interviews in phase two and, and stand out. So the new statistics are out now. And this is between the last episode and this episode, and my mind is just blown looking at these statistics. I've never seen the graph change that much in my entire life. So what is it we're looking at here? Yeah, I I was extremely blown away too. You know, I thought the change was significant last year where it kind of 
the number of applicants kind of leveled off. But this year, you know, we're seeing a significant decline in the number of applicants participating in the match. And therefore, the percentage that have matched in phase one has gone up significantly. Um, So where we're at like a low 60s, mid 60s at best match rate, you know, we're now in the 72% range. So that's just a significant um, increase from previous years. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I'm hoping the trend continues. It would mean that we get one spot for every qualified applicant. And the other thing is now that the number of applicants went down significantly by almost a thousand applicants, there's a lot of open phase two programs. And so whereas you had a very low percentage chance of matching in phase two. Now with the availability of the programs and all the potential people that could participate in phase two, you're looking at maybe a one in three chance. So significantly improved odds from that standpoint. For those of you who are listening and have matched, the question that might be going through your head is I matched. Now what? Now what do I do? What's the first thing that should be going through their heads? So I think one of the things, you know, you're obviously, a lot of you are probably going to be moving and and thinking about, I'm going to be making my first paycheck here in in a few months. So to start be thinking about, you know, the financial aspect of that and what that entails. Um, So I would point you back to our episode, one of the first episodes we recorded, I think it's episode two, um, where we talk about finances and financial implications of doing a residency uh, with Dr. Des Lindquist. But yeah, that's a great episode. And those, everything we talked about there still holds true. I would say everything that we talk about is pretty rev- relevant. If not, it might be a little bit more difficult now with inflation hitting and salaries not really caught up to that yet uh, some of the things that you'll be paying for in the transition period of time may cost you just a little bit more than what we maybe had talked about previously so most students are now a little over one month from graduating so before graduation is there anything that they can be doing now to get a leg up on residency well first of all i think you kind of take this initial time period and and just kind of bask in the enjoyment of and the um excitement of of matching you know that that's a long process and you put a lot of work into that so that would be my first recommendation um to you know take this time to start enjoying that i'm i'm sure most of you have been in communication with your programs and um getting that you know upfront paperwork completed so make sure you're you're crossing your t's and dotting your i's with that I would start be thinking about, obviously, you're probably about three to four months from your start date. I'd start to be thinking about uh, licensing and and taking those licensure examinations. Obviously, that's something that you might have to be on a little bit tighter time frame as opposed to some of your classmates who might have a little bit more flexibility. So how when do you think they should start scheduling those exams or preparing for those? I have my opinion on it. I'll say first what I think most people think they have to do. I think people think they have to take it immediately so that they're licensed before they walk through the door at the 
the, the whatever place they're doing residency. And I think that's a misconception. There is a deadline for when you have to have been licensed by. And hopefully when they're sending you these offer letters and everything, they're going to be sending you the residency manual. If you don't already have access to the residency manual through their website or something like that. And in that manual, it will tell you, you need to be licensed by this date or you will be basically let go from the residency program. And that date is usually in September, around September. And they select that date purposefully because if you took the NAPLEX and failed it, you'd have to wait three months before you can take it again. So they kind of give you a little wiggle room to even fail the NAPLEX one time, still be able to retake it and enter the residency. And so if you take the NAPLEX in June, you typically are still under that three-month window because it's usually into September. So once again, double-check that date so you allow yourself at least... Who knows what's going to happen when you take the NAPLEX? You, you're obviously a smart individual. You got matched, but you just never know what that day is going to be like. So at least allow yourself a chance to take it again. And so that's going to push you either late May or June. But I would say don't feel like you have to take it before then, that date, because you don't need to be licensed when you walk in the doors in July. Because if you take it sometime in June, you're going to be licensed within a few weeks afterwards, depending on when you take the MPJE. And the first month of residency, you're just orienting to it. You're not usually, you're watching people check stuff, you're doing stuff, but you're, you're not necessarily need to be licensed. There's so many things that go on that first month before you really step into the role of a pharmacist. Yeah, and I would just reach out to the program director and maybe current or past residents on, you know, what they did and what their expectations are. I know our program director was, you know, pretty flexible with when they wanted their residents to be licensed by. So some would, you know, go on vacation afterwards and not take the NAPLEX until they came back or things like that. Some took it, you know, even after they started. So, you know, in that first week or two and all depends on availability of scheduling and when your graduation date is as well. So I think the take home point is, you know, do it when, when you feel comfortable, but, you know, make sure that you're doing it in a timely manner, but discussing that with your RPD. Yeah. Cause they might make you take, I like that you said the first week, cause they might make you take PTO if you take it that first week, because, you know, it's not their responsibility to give you time off to take the NAPLEX. So if you're going to have to take a full day to do that, you might have to take a day. And to lose a day of PTO that early is not good. I personally recommend taking the MPJE two weeks after the NAPLEX. A lot of students think the MPJE is a harder test, so they should take it first. And yes, it is a harder test, but there's less content. So it's not going to take you that long to study for the MPJE. I think you'd study for the NAPLEX first because it's it's a massive amount of material. And then after the NAPLEX is over, chill out a few days and then start studying for the MPJE. And there are there are a lot of study guys out there that show you how to how to crush it if you have 10 days worth of studying time. Sean, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just thinking that back whenever I was taking these exams, you know, before the NAPLEX had, had changed, you know, I think it was just a four hour test back then. Um, I had scheduled them for after I moved up to Indianapolis, but before I started residency, 
I scheduled both those tests on the same day and in different cities because I thought I needed to get everything done before I started. That was not a wise move. And <laughs> even though you can't even schedule them on the same day now because the NAPLEX is so much longer, I, I just want to reiterate to space them out a little bit. I think two weeks is a, is a perfect number. I don't know how you mentally survived that. So I had to drive to Terre Haute, um, Indiana, which is about an hour away from Indianapolis. Took the NAPLEX at eight in the morning. Finished that by about 11, I think, 11.30. Ate some lunch real quick and then drove back to to Indianapolis. And I think the MPJE I took at like two. And then, oh, man. yeah, that was exhausting. Um, don't recommend it. So schedule schedule those. Um, I like I like how you said take the NAPLEX first. It's got a lot more content, and then focus on the MPJ for you know two weeks or so after. Yeah, I've heard too many horror stories where students fail the NAPLEX just because they because the MPJ was first, then they studied for it and they kept putting off the NAPLEX, and then then they only had like two weeks to study for the NAPLEX. It just was not enough time. Yeah, and the MPJ has a little bit more leniency in terms of when you can retake it. So I think you can retake it in 30 days versus 90 days for the NAPLEX. And it's a little bit less expensive. Which is the other reason why you shouldn't stress too much about it because you could essentially take it four times in the amount of time you can take the NAPLEX one more time. So other than licensure and things like that, you know what, what else should do you think candidates should be doing in these months leading up to when they start residency. Yeah. So when I was doing it, I thought, um, well, it's been a while since I've had a, an inpatient rotation. I probably should start studying for my residency early. And I actually didn't start studying for my residency early. Cause I just was studying for the NAPLEX and everything. I thought, you know, this is good enough. And it was a little burnout from, uh, you know, four years of pharmacy school. I want to take a little mental break before I knew I was going to be pushed to my limits for, for a year. But do you think it's wise to study? Do you think it's um, do you think there's anything you can really study before residency? I really don't think that there's an like a specific I would say, hey, go study this exact topic before residency. I think by preparing for the NAPLEX, you know, the NAPLEX covers so much these days. I think that that's probably the best way to prepare. Um, as you study for the NAPLEX, you're kind of preparing a little bit, brushing up on topics you might not have seen in a little while. So that w- that would be kind of my two cents on that. I don't think there's any way of really knowing um, or preparing for, you know, what you might encounter during residency. So I would just say once you are on rotation and you're in residency, just be ready to learn every day you'll encounter something different every day and just kind of be prepared for that and that mindset but use this time to recharge i think i think that's going to be your best bet and your it's going to help you in the long term and your ability to learn yeah because you'll get pto during residency but typically you save a lot of it for your interviews because within a few months you're going to be interviewing for either a full-time career position or a pgy2 and so you just, you're not going to have a month off to recharge. So yeah, take advantage of that. You also don't know your schedule at this point in time. You have no idea what your first rotation is going to be outside of orientation, of course. So, you know, that might not happen. The only thing I could say that might 
be beneficial is if you know you're going into a hospital, you could start reviewing some of those kinetics, <laughs> like how to dose some stuff. But usually they have a whole course there that they certify that you're up to speed. So you even get to relearn it when you're there. I was going to say, I think during orientation, you go over a lot of the stuff that is institution specific, um, kind of go over those big topics that are going to be important like kinetics and, and dosing. But, and I think you would kind of brush up on that a little bit during NAPLEX review. So that, I think that's a, you know, a fair point though. All right. So, you know, we've got the testing done. We've got some, uh, R and R out of the way. Is there anything else that you can really do in the meantime, besides of course the stuff in our episode two that talks all about moving and choosing a place? I think, you know, the, the moving and, and everything, we talk about that in episode two, but I do want to just kind of bring up a, a few more points with that that I think are just really pertinent. So be thinking about and preparing for finances as they relate to relocation. Obviously, it's expensive to move. You know, perhaps you get your parents or your friends to help you help you move and you, you know, take a U-Haul across the country if you're moving that far. Um, but you know, be thinking about these licensure exams. Hopefully you have already, but you know, it's going to cost a, a significant amount, you know, about, a, I think it totals about a thousand dollars or so for these licensure exams after you've registered for them and paid for everything that you need to. So just be um, kind of aware of that. Also, you kind of have to prepare for living, you know, the first month or so or at least a couple of weeks while you start residency. So it might, you might think, Oh, I start day one. I'm going to get paid right away. But you know, a lot of times you're starting, you might be starting in the middle of a payroll period. You might get paid at the end of the month. You might get paid at, in the middle or a couple of weeks after you start. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable to, to look at your HR, potentially contact them or your RPD just to kind of have in mind when you would, you know, get, be getting paid that first time because you might not get a paycheck for a couple of weeks after starting residency. Yeah, I know ours for our residency is a month, and mine was mine was a month. That's a long time to go before you get that first paycheck. And if you've never, chances are you've not had a month paycheck up until now because most they pay most technicians on a biweekly basis. Just changing from how to budget with a monthly paycheck versus budget with an every two week paycheck is a, is a lot different too. So just keep that in consideration. Anything else you think our future residents need to know about before they embark on their journey? I think there's one more thing to tell our future residents. And this is just a lesson. A lot of people have learned the hard way. And this might be close to your heart too, Taylor. Don't buy your white coat when you graduate pharmacy school. You most likely will get a white coat <laughs> when you get to the system that you're working at. It's this inclination that you want to you want to run out and buy that long, no longer short white coat and wear it to your first day on residency. But they, every single program I've ever been at, they've bought me a white coat. <laughs> so just wait and see. Either that, or they'll have specific instructions on how they want like a specific white coat they want you to buy. So yeah, just yeah, wait. And how they want it embroidered and everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, Taylor, any last minute tips, advice? 
Sean, I just want to reiterate the point that y'all should just really take this time and appreciate your accomplishments and, you know, rest and recharge before starting residency. That That's my greatest piece of advice, I think. Well said. I love it. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.